Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehila Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah. This is Ryan Cabrera, your co-host, and I'm in Studio A here with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. It is so good to be here. It is good to be here. Man, we are so blessed. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you guys for listening. We love you. We are so grateful to to be able to be here week in and week out studying God's Word with you guys. And um, if you want, uh, if you have any questions, you need anything, you can reach out to us at Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at topraise.net, Ryan at topraise.net. That's where you can uh, let us know what we can pray for you on, where you can let us know um, anything that's going on, ask any questions that you might have, anything like that. And so we're very grateful to have you guys uh, listening. So thank you very much. This coming Shabbat, we have an exciting guest coming, uh, Congressman Ross Spano. He is our local congressman here where we're sitting, and uh, he is a believer, and he will be coming uh, to our congregation to give us kind of an update and just let us hear from a believer's perspective what's going on in Washington, D.C., and and from his perspective what's going on, and so we're excited to hear what he has to say. And uh, and that's it. So we're uh, we're studying the Torah portion this week. Big surprise! This week it is Vayira, which means "and he appeared," and this can be found in the book of Genesis, which is chapter eighteen, uh, one through twenty-two and twenty-four. That's awesome. Yeah, there's a lot going on in here. So we've had Bereshit, we've had Noah, we've had Lech Lecha. Now this is. Uh, Episode four. Oh, man. Episode season three. Season three, episode four. Episode four four and season three. Vayira, he appeared. So Ryan's going to start reading Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through 15, the promise of a son. Just a great intro. We we believe in the public reading of scriptures. And here we go. I will say that, that, you know, if we've done nothing else, we've absolutely declared the word of God you know, publicly. Oh yeah. For what? Over a hundred episodes now. Oh yeah. That's pretty good stuff. I think so. So it says, and the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lift up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, my Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will fetch a morsel of bread, and comfort ye your hearts. After that ye shall pass on. For therefore are ye come to your servant. And they said, So do as thou hast said. And Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah, and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes upon the hearth. And Abraham ran unto the herd, and fetched a calf tender and good, and gave it unto a young man, and he hasted to dress it. And he took butter and milk, and the calf which he had dressed, and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life, and lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well-stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I do a surety, bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laughed not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. Wow, right out of the gate, the promise of a son. Oh, yeah. You know, that was already given to them before, but he's kind of reiterating it to both of them. Well, now the rubber's meeting the road, right? I mean, he had promised this to him, you know, in a big, grandiose way, right? And, of course, we have the, the birth of Ishmael. 
and the story of Hagar and Ishmael and all that. Oh, yeah. So that's how it uh, unfolds. You know, don't birth an Ishmael. Oh, yeah. You know, God tells you something, but don't jump the gun. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, living in Israel or moving to Israel. It's God's timing. You know, yeah. you don't want to get over there that it doesn't work, you know. But right here, it just says, right out of the gate, and the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre. The Lord appeared with, two, with of course, two other men. And, uh, and that's a theophany. And what's a theophany but a visible manifestation of a deity? We talked about last week about Melchizedek uh, possibly could have been a theophany of Yeshua uh, in that story, how it's played out, you know. But a visible manifestation of a deity is a theophany, and we can see this throughout the scriptures. We're going to see this as we proceed uh, in other Torah portions. But, uh, you know, Abraham gave them water. He washed their feet and fed them under a tree. You know, and so I have this, this question here, which is very interesting. Uh, why is the gift of hospitality that Abraham gave to the three strangers so important today for God's children? Well, so obviously, you know, it's, it's funny when, um, when I came to Beit Tehillah, hospitality is very important around here, man. We take hospitality seriously. It is serious. It is. It is, man. We have a whole, like, hospitality department. Um, and I will say that I've been on both ends of that. I've been on the, the side where I was providing the hospitality, and I've been on the side where I was receiving the hospitality. And I will say that all around, it is just a great pleasure to be hospitable. That's right. Like, D. Cromwell does a great job heading that up. And also, we have a, a coffee station, a coffee cart oh, yeah. on Monday nights. That's part of hospitality. And, uh, and so it, it's interesting. You know, as, as this story unfolds, it's, it's really cool that I, I call it lunch with Abraham. God had lunch with Abraham. <laughs> That is the coolest thing. God had lunch with Abraham. So check this out. So a uh, couple things about the beginning of this Torah portion. Um, you mentioned theophany. They also sometimes call this a, a Christophany or a Christophany, right? Because right. if we're believing this is Yeshua specifically, then you would use um, uh, the word Christ. Uh, but it, you know, it says it opens up and it says, and 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 he appeared, right? Vayira, who appeared? Yahweh. So the word here is Yahweh appeared to him. Yehovah. Oh yeah, really? Oh yeah, it I says right here. Study that. It says, and Yahweh appeared unto him in the plains so of. So the Mary. word Lord is Yahweh. That is correct. Wow. So so the other thing that's interesting is as we finish the last Torah portion here, right? It says here. Um, in in uh, verse chapter seventeen, verse twenty seven says, and all the men of his house, born in his house, and bought with money of the stranger, were circumcised with him. So they made covenant, right? And and just before this, also God had added the the hay to the name of Abraham, and also to Sarah. So she goes from Sarai to Sarah, and Abraham goes from Abram to Abraham. So they make covenant. And then there's fellowship, right? So the covenant precedes the fellowship. Then they have fellowship with God. And what do they do? They eat. They have a meal. That's right. Right? So it's this, it's this pattern that we see throughout Scripture over and over and over. Covenant equals fellowship equals we eat. <laughs> and so, but they're saying that the Jewish sages are even saying it would make sense that here they are, they were circumcised and still being healed. They were healing up. Yeah. So it's like he really has a, could have been at a discomfort. Yeah. Having to run up and run, you know. But he'd ma- he made the hospitality anyways. And, and, yeah, he did. And here's what else it says in uh, in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. It says, Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Oh, that's a good note. It that's is a good, a good note. That's a good footnote. So, so Sarah was, of course, the first cook in the Bible. Oh, yeah. She was the first cook in the Bible. I used to say it was Jacob. But no, Sarah was the first cook in the Bible. And, uh, and so it's interesting that this is, this is being played out now. You know, if you think about, um, of course, the Lord and two angels, it's kind of interesting, you know, um, because if you look at the Ark of the Covenant, there's two angels on the throne. You know, like he sits on the throne and there's two angels to the left and the right, so they serve him. That is uh, interesting. I wonder is. if it's the same two angels. And, 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 and so I think there was two angels even in the tomb. All right. He was risen. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's some things to think about as as we go into this. But Abraham was told that Sarah would have a son, and while she heard it in the tent door, she laughed. <laughs> but within herself. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that girl laughed. But denied it when asked. So she was afraid, but the Lord knew. Oh yeah. I called, love that, you know. Called her out. Oh, you laughed. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. Oh, yes, no, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. And, and he, he knows everything, Ryan. Oh, boy, does he. Remember when Yeshua, Jesus, would go into the room? He knew everybody's thoughts. He knew their motives. And he would call them out. He just knew, yeah. you know. And that's, that's what I love about God. You know, he, he knows. He knows everything. Why try to hide it? So she was afraid, but the Lord knew. And, and of course, you know, um, that story in and of itself is pretty incredible uh, because, you know, 
Sarah's name means princess, but Sarai, you know, means dominative or uh, what? Contentious. Contentious. So, you know, so she, she's been changed. You know, think about it, she hasn't had any children. You know, she's, her, she's uh, you know, her, her womb was cursed. She had no children. And so because of the purpose of God, he uses her like he does Mary with this immaculate, what, conception. Yeah. Almost, you know. And it even said that she wasn't even having a cycle. You just got done reading that. Well, yeah, she's postmenopausal is, is the point there. Right. And that uh, she's already been through that process, so the, the manner of women has ceased to be with her. So uh, everyone who understands biology understands that women don't get pregnant after menopause. Right, it's verse 11 in, in chapter 18. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well-stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So that is a miracle. That's incredible for God's purposes, you know. Think about all the things that God's going to do in the future, Ryan, that are going to be miracles to, to achieve his purposes, that we're going to get to witness. Well, you know why? Because he can. Because God's a show-off. You know, sometimes I, I, I would have to say that... Um, the bottom line is that those of us that get to be uh, the witnesses of miracles, uh, it is done to increase our faith and to just give us that. It's like a little gift from the Lord, right? It's just like, here, I'm just going to give this to you, you know, just a little bit of extra faith. This is for you, a little gift, you know? You know, and this is something that just crossed my mind. I was just thinking as we go into, uh, here's a question, why was God going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah? Because the men rose up from there and looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? And of course, there's, there's the Lord and Abraham together having a discussion. Yeah. You know, so, so what I'm saying, Ryan, is even Jonathan Kahn made this comment. He says, You know, in the earth, there's going to be revival and judgment at the same time. Yeah. So if you think about these, these, these you know, atrocities, or you think about these calamities that happen in the earth, Yet at the same time, God's doing this, this, and this, yeah. you know, and that's, that's really what I want to point out. And of course, uh, the reason why God was going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, their cry was great and their sin is very grievous. So let's scripture interpret scripture. So Ryan, if you can go to Ezekiel 16, verses 48, uh, 49 and 50, those verses, Ezekiel 16, verses 48 through 50, uh, this is also to let you know what was going on within Sodom and Gomorrah for him to judge it, because we let Scripture interpret Scripture so we can build a case. So it, it actually says their cry was great and their sin is very grievous. But what does Ezekiel uh, 16, verses 48 through 50 say in reference to Sodom and Gomorrah? Oh, yeah, and this is making a comparison um, to Israel, right? So he's, he's, he's saying this. So he says, As I live, saith the Lord God, Sodom thy sister hath not done, she nor her daughters, as thou hast done, thou and thy daughters. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom, Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. And they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. Wow. Pride, not giving to the poor. Man. Complacent. I uh, tell you what. That sounds like America. Well, and, and glutton, right? I mean, it just... It's just that they had an overabundance, so they were complacent and lazy, and they didn't do good things, and they even committed abominations, like probably abortion, and, wow. and in this case, probably putting their kids through the fire at Molech, which so today there's, would so be there's more to the story. There it is, you know. Yeah. And you know, and this is what I love about Abraham, you know, he says, oh my gosh, Sodom and Gomorrah is going to be destroyed. And so here's, here's Abraham's question to, to the Lord. Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? That's in Genesis 18, 23. Will thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Like he cared. Judgment's coming. He really cared, you know. Uh, I don't know if you know the sons of thunder, James and John, but they wanted God, you know, God, the Lord Jesus, to call down, you know, thunder, fire, and rain on these people that didn't receive the gospel. Yeah. You know, and I'm thinking, wow, that's, that's, a, I'm, I'm not at that place. Yeah. Let's call that down, you know, just, just make them toast. Yeah. You know, there like, is a no, place, I'm in the grace and mercy, man. I'm, I'm an intercessor. There is a place in Luke where Yeshua calls judgment on, on some folks, though. Yeah. So, I mean, he's not, he's not to be messed around to with. Yeah, he could call those shots. He, well, exactly. But I mean, so Abraham asked if God would spare the city if there were 50 righteous. And God said yes. Mm -hmm. Abraham then goes on to decrease the number of the righteous from 45 to 30, to 20, and lastly, 10. And so here, here he gets down to 10. If you find 10 righteous men, Lord, would you spare the city? And he said, yes. Mm -hmm. And that was the end of the conversation. Yep. So we know what's going to happen. So I find it interesting that uh, Abraham was very bold to ask this question. Um, you know, it, it's... Uh, 
I think that one of the things that God wants us to have is relationship with him. And when you get that opportunity to talk to him, Abraham's here asking, will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? And then he goes through this whole process. But it was very bold of him to ask this question. And Moses I think, was an intercessor for the people. Right. Right. Well, and just it just shows that he, he wasn't concerned for himself. That's a good leadership He was quality. concerned for the people. Exactly. Right, yeah. And he, we're supposed to pray for our enemies. And we're not even battling flesh and blood. Well, we know he was concerned for life. Right. So, so the 10, yeah. right? He gets down to 10. And people wonder, why does he stop at 10? He doesn't go to 1, right? And so I was doing the math last night, and we have uh, Lot and his wife, right? And then we'll find that he has two daughters that had never been with a man. Right. And then he has two other daughters that have husbands. That's what we're thinking. And then he has the two husbands. And then it says that he has a plurality of sons. We had at least two sons. That's 10 right there. There's your 10. Now... That's a good point. We have to bring that out. Yeah. Well, I'm just, you know... I mean, yeah, we're going to talk about that as we, as we get into Genesis chapter 19. Uh, God destroys Sodom and Gomorrah, and, uh, and it's interesting because... Uh, so who was it that met the two angels while sitting in the gate of Sodom but Lot? Yeah. You know, they say when you're at an opening of a gate, you're, you're a position of authority. Like, he was basically the mayor uh, of, of, of right there at Sodom. He was the mayor. He was either that or he was that guy holding the sign saying the end is near, right? I mean, you know, but, but here he was at the gate. <laughs> yeah. So, so Lot invited the two angels into his house and made them a feast along with unleavened bread. Once again, the two men are two angels, so don't, don't forget that. So Lot invited the two angels into, into his house and made them a feast along with unleavened bread. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. So, so here, he, here he is showing hospitality as well. And when the men of Sodom circled Lot's house and called out to him... That they wanted the two angels to come out so they could know them, which, by the way, is an improper relationship. Uh, to know them, Lot was willing to give them his two virgin daughters instead. So maybe they were betrothed, the I, two daughters. I have a couple thoughts. I'm just saying we got to be careful that we don't just yeah, assume do, things. Do you want to know my thoughts? You wanna, I'll, yeah. I'll give you some thoughts. So two, I want to hear it. Two things. So the first thing is... Um, at the very least, we know these men were in some way, shape, or form prone to homosexuality, right? They're there to they yeah, get these angels in, in improper relationships that are men. That's the term I use. Okay, yeah. improper relationships. So yes. they're prone to improper relationships. Right. So, um, and then we also know that they might have even been interested in angelic beings in some form or fashion, which I'm sure you're going to get to in a second. So offering up his daughters might have been almost sarcasm because you'll notice that right after he does that, they get mad at him. There's almost like he's throwing it in the face. Hey, look, don't take these. Take my, my daughters. They've never even been with a man. And they're all like, oh, now they're mad and at And we Lot. don't know all the circumstances as well. We don't. We just don't know. No, but I think it was... But I, that's a good point I'm, to be I'm, made. I'm going to go, because it says we, Lot's we, righteous. We could, so. we, could, we could do that. We could look at it like that. I think that's great. I mean, you're thinking ahead. I mean, mm -hmm. think about it. Yeah. So while Lot was speaking to the crowd outside the door, they wished to do him harm, his him harm as well. And so the two angels pulled Lot back into the house. So he goes outside the door to speak to them, and they get rowdy. They get, you know, things are happening. And so the two angels, or the men, smote the men at the door with blindness, both small and great. You know, it's interesting as you stop and look at improper relationships or sexual immorality, we can be blinded, just like unnatural love, this whole transgender thing. You know, there's a lot of confusion. But the bottom line is that, you know, a lot of people are blinded to sexual immorality, but the, but the sad thing, Ryan, is judgment is coming. He's going to judge. He's a righteous judge, you know. And an improper relationship is an improper relationship. And whether so, it's unnatural love, whether it's you know whatever's going on here, adultery, you know these things. You know, it's interesting that these men were struck with blindness and they were groping. Yeah. Then judgment came. Right. You know, so, that's what judgment can do. It, it can come because of blindness. So then what is the model? You know, I think that as Christians, as people following Torah, I think if you were to, to surf, you know, Facebook or the Internet, um, you're going to see a lot of people pointing the finger and calling out judgment uh, upon people. And the, the model from a Torah standpoint, from a biblical standpoint, is to be like Abraham, to pray for these people and to pray that their eyes be opened, to pray that they become righteous, right? That they join the ranks of the righteous. Now, some of them may, you know, God is going to judge who he's going to judge, but our job is to be intercessors for our fellow men because we don't want to see judgment fall on anybody. Oh, no, we don't, we don't. And, you know, the, so, so the two men or the two angels, they tell Lot to get his family out of the city because they were going to destroy it. That was their mission. They were going to destroy it. So when Lot told his sons-in-law that the Lord was going to destroy the city, they thought he was mocking, right? Or jesting in the New American Standard yeah. Uh, Bible and also joking in the NIV. They thought he was joking and jesting. Oh, come on. God's going to destroy the city. Yeah, right. And so the next morning, Lot was lingering. And, and this word in Hebrew means 
hesitating. I looked it up. And the two men had to take Lot and his family by the hand to lead them outside the city, boy. Listen, don't procrastinate. Don't don't put off right. Mm-hmm. Don't don't put things off. Well, don't be a procrastinator. I mean, come on, listen. Uh, don't put off tomorrow what you can do today or something like that. I forget which verse it is. There's a New Testament verse that references Lot as a righteous man. It's in the New Testament. Yeah, it is. So what what we know is we know that that Lot is righteous. He was tormented. Many of us can also be counted among the righteous because of our faith in Yeshua, but yet we still turn our tent towards Sodom. You know, you know. He was, uh, you know, he, he was familiar with Sodom, Ryan, because he had been in Egypt. Well, right, and they're, they're attracted to to these things and, and to lights and exactly to the lights yeah, and the Square. big stuff. Exactly. Look at the lights! <laughs> oh, look at the beautiful lights! Yeah, we all know about the lights. But here it says that he's hesitating, and I think you know it's interesting. We read these stories and we can just brush past it and be like, "Oh yeah, see Lot, he's he's lingering." But like, you know, if somebody were to come to you and say, "Hey, the the iniquity of of the United States has has reached its fullness, its its climax, it's time to get out," you know, would you point at your father-in-law and laugh at him? You know, um, I mean, you know, when it's time to get out, we better get out, huh? Well, when and, and that's just it. I think that that these folks took it as as a joke because they're all desensitized. They're like, oh, yeah, whatever. That's just the same stuff that happens every day. These guys trying to get with angels. And it's not a Christian community. <laughs> no, no, clearly not. Well, and we don't live in a... The culture is pretty rough. Right. Our culture is pretty rough as well, I would say. I, you know, we get persecuted. Oh, you guys are doing Torah? Yeah, right. Whatever. Ha ha. Yeah, I don't have to do that. And I'm thinking, you know what? The Torah is coming back. Yeah, I'd rather do it. He's going to rule with a rod of iron. Now, now the two instructions that were given to Lot's family was to not look back and escape to the mountain. So, so the angels are giving these instructions. Okay, these are your instructions. We're getting you out of the city. We're bringing you out. Don't look back. Go to the mountain. And so Lot talked the angel into allowing his family to stay in a nearby city called Zor because he feared going to the mountain. Right? Right. He feared it. It says it right there in Genesis 19, verses 19 to 22. Um, no, I think I think that's what he wanted to stay, right? Do you right. want to stay? And so, what, does it, what does it say? Well, it says it... To in, clarify that? Yeah, yeah, no worries. I'll get it. So um, 19 says, Behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life, and I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me and I die. Behold now, the city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have ex- uh, accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow this city for the which thou hast spoken. Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou be come thither. Therefore, so the he name wanted of the to go to the little city, Zoar. So he did. He yeah, did. I want to make sure that that's that's the, that's the case. He didn't want to go to the mountain. That was interesting. Right, and so as the sun comes up, that makes sense. The Lord reigns upon Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire, from the Lord out of heaven. I mean, that's and so he was able to go to Zor. Yeah. And so what happens? The Lord rains down on Sodom and Gomorrah when the sun had risen brimstone and fire out of heaven. So when the sun comes up, uh, he rains down brimstone and fire out of heaven on Sodom and Gomorrah. You got to remember the word Sodom. It's where we get the word sodomy. Oh. It's not a good It's not a good indicator right there. It's not a good example. And so uh, when Lot's wife looked back, she became a pillar of salt. Wow. I hear you know. she was a pillar in her community. A pillar of salt. I hear that. I uh, mean, that's just what an example. Kind of like you know when you think of all these examples in the Bible. But she became a pillar of salt. But Abraham looked towards Sodom and Gomorrah and saw the smoke of the country going up as the smoke of a furnace. You know, and so Lot left the city of Zor and he dwelt in a cave out of fear of being in a city. Yeah. So now this happens. The very place he didn't want to go, he ends up in a cave. Yeah. In well, a mountain. Well, if you imagine, so if you imagine here. If he was just in a city and the culture was wicked, and I can't imagine that this, the culture of Zoar was much better, so he's probably a little gun shy at this point. Well, I think that what I see from here is God is a righteous judge. He's not going to judge with the sight of his eyes or the hearing of his ears, but he is a righteous judge. Oh, yeah. And no one's going to contest that. No doubt. And, and judgment means rendering a verdict. Right. You know what I mean? Well, it could be positive So or thank God for, sure. for God's grace and mercy, but he is going to judge the living and the dead. Remember that. 
remember that. So here we have a situation that's kind of interesting. When we talk about improper relationships, um, you know, uh, and this is the question. What reason was given by the firstborn daughter to the younger one about why they should sleep with their father after getting him drunk? I mean, what an interesting conversation. So here it says, wherefore he called that place... No, I'm in the wrong chapter. I'm looking for Genesis. Uh, we're Genesis 19, verses 31 and 32. Yeah. It's she wanted to preserve the seed of her father. She did. She says, so she's f- thinking, okay, everyone's going to get wiped out here. Judgment's coming. Everyone's going to be wiped out. We need to keep the human race going. So Lot's wife turns into a pillar of salt. Yeah. The sons-in-law are obviously gone with the daughters. Yeah, they got taken in. And any sons he had. So it's it's Lot and two daughters. That's it. So they're under the impression he has no seed left that are male to carry on his line. So, wow. You talk about birthing an Ishmael. Oh, yeah. You know, it's all throughout the Bible, isn't it? Boy, is Why it? do you do this? And why do you do that? You know? And so here we have uh, the story of Ishmael. Or just, in this case, a Moabite. And, and they assumed... And an Ammonite. Oh, you know, we're the last of the human race. We better do this. We better do that. But, you know, uh, Lot was unaware of what his daughters had done. And, of course, two sons were born to the two daughters uh, named Moab and Ben-Ami, the Ammonites. You know, Moab. Moab sounds familiar, doesn't it? You know, it's interesting because, like, when the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt, God says, you have to go around these people because they're like your family. Sure. They're, they're relatives. Right. So it is interesting how even uh, well, you know, with Ishmael and everything. But... And who's the most famous Moabite in the Bible? Ruth. That's right. Ruth was a Moabite. So Ruth... She's in the genealogy. The great-grandmother of she David. She preserved the seed. That's right. There's a preserving of seed. Mm-hmm. You know, but God allowed this to happen. Clearly. He actually allowed this to happen with, with the father and the two daughters because they had to what? Well, the seed must go on, apparently. That's, that's just what I'm saying, though. It's amazing, you know, like when people would say to my wife and I, how can you afford to have all these children? I'm like, how can we not? God said, go and multiply. That's the first commandment in the Bible, go and multiply. Now, the first instruction was don't eat from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But he said, go and multiply, which is an action. Amen. And so like a good little Catholic, you know, I, I we multiplied. Oh, you yeah. Know? Seven kids later. Brought up Catholic. <laughs> they don't believe in birth control. That's one good thing about the Catholic faith. You know, think about it. They're not, you know, trying to, you know, well, I can give life, I can take life, I can stall it, I can do this. I, I just, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not for that. And they're I mean, against I don't abortion. Think you control it. So think about it, everybody. This is this is a fascinating story. How it's just unfolding. So at the same time that you know God is promising Abraham and Sarah a child, you you've got this going on, you know, and of course Abraham saw. He saw it with his own eyes the destruction. We're seeing so many things as well. And uh, and so once again, we, we have the Ammonites, which is, of course, today the modern-day country of Jordan. And I think that uh, Jordan just took back some land that was leased to Israel. I think the country of Jordan just took back some land that Israel was leasing because they're going to try to go into uh, annexation, I guess, uh, of some property in Israel, the country. So it's very, very interesting. Um, right. So Moab means of his father. Of his father. Right. And then Ben-Ami, right? Not Lo-Ami, right? Not my people. It's son of my kin or son of my people. So... Um, what is it? So uh, Ben-Ami means son of, and it's my kin or my people. Son of? Right. So Ben as in Ben. Right. Son. And then Ami meaning... So not like Lo-Ami. Son of my people? Right. So think of it. Lo-Ami means not my people. Right. Right. So Ben-Ami is son of my people or son of my kin. Wow. And here you have, uh, you know... Uh, some more races of people, the yep. Moabites, the Ammonites. Very interesting. So we've done uh, chapters 18 and 19. Let's look at chapter 20. This is also a fascinating read. This is uh, dealing with Abraham and Abimelech. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, <clears throat> so what was the lie that Abraham told uh, to allow Abimelech, king of Gerar, to take his wife, Sarah? Well, she's my sister. Sarah was his sister. Wow. And so, you know, he feared for his life. You know, he really did. But King Abimelech found out that Sarah was Abraham's wife because God came to him in a dream and told him to restore her back to her husband, Abraham, who God called a prophet. What's interesting about this particular king is that he had done no wrong. He had not purposed to do any wrong, right? He was innocent. And so he's just going about his business saying, hey, you know what? I need to increase my harem or whatever you know, this is this is what kings do, right? They, yeah. They they accumulate women, and and so he, here we have this story unfolding, 
And so, you know, uh, Abimelech's going to confront Abraham. He says, hey, man, why'd you lie to me? Why did you tell me that she was your sister? And what, what was his response uh, in Genesis 20, 11, Ryan? He says, surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will slay me for my wife's sake. So that's what Abraham thought. Um, that's the reason you know, why I don't he blame lied. him, though. When I see this story unfold, I would have been just like Abraham. Hey, that's my sister. You know, people don't understand that back then you had like Bedouins, you had marauders, you had thieves. You know, uh, you'd be going along. They would just take your stuff, take your people. But think about it I mean, for a second about, here. He already had Lot taken from him. Remember that? Right, but... So but, he's probably gun shy. But we're now, we're now, right? It, it, so we, we've got to be probably in this ne- this three-month period between when God appears to Abraham and when uh, Sarah ends up pregnant with Isaac, right? So she's 90 years old at this point. So last time when we went to Egypt, she was 65. We've now gone... A, she's 90 years old. I mean... Still looking good. I'm saying it's got to be a good-looking woman. I mean, let's just say that uh, that she did not... She aged well, right? I mean... She was fair, which is beautiful. That is really amazing. You know, and, and so, you know, so Abraham feared for his life. That's understandable. And uh, Abraham and Sarah had the same father, but different mothers. So he told like a half lie, a half truth. So he was really kind of right, but he was married to her. But Abimelech gave sheep, oxen, men servants, women servants, and a thousand pieces of silver to Abraham. Wow, the man is just loaded. You know that he was very prosperous. He was very, very prosperous. Oh, yeah. Uh, And in Genesis chapter 20, verses 17 and 18, it says this. So Abraham prayed unto God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maidservants, and they bare children. For the Lord had fast closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Wow. So uh, that is something that you don't want to have in your village. Uh, women are barren and everything. So all of a sudden, uh, Abraham prays unto God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maidservants, and they bear children. Yeah. For the Lord had fast closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. See, there was something happening that was not good, and it was holding back God's promise by having Sarah to be with him. And so here God has to come to him in a dream and warn him. Wow. Boy, I hope God does that for us, Ryan, that he'll just intervene when we go a little south, that he'll just step in and say, hey, you know what? You, you know, you're going to have to repair this or this fix topic this. did come up a couple times last night because it's kind of like Aaron. You know, it seems like Aaron gets like a permanent hall pass um, for the, the little side well, steps he's, that he he's makes. He's the middle child. Well, and I think what happens is uh, these people are on a mission for Yahweh. And, and let's just say that it's better to be on God's team to be on the other team. So. Um, I think God knows He's dealing with imperfect people. I think He knows that He's dealing with right. with um, you know people that are are in their fallen state at this point, and He gives them grace and mercy even here in the Old Testament. And the differentiating factor is those that are on God's team that are doing God's will that are working with Him. That's right. And those that are against Him. And Good I would point. just say that it's probably better. Uh, no, no, it's definitely <laughs> better to be on God's team. Oh, I agree. So here we have uh, chapters 18, 19, and 20. And now we're, we're going to see where Isaac is born in Genesis chapter 21. And of course, the name given to their son is Isaac, and his name means laughter. Remember, Sarah laughed inside of herself. So God says, okay, I'm going to play on this. <laughs> You're going to name your son Yitzhak, which is Isaac. And of course, Abraham circumcised Isaac eight days after his birth. And of course, Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. And I love this. When Isaac was weaned, Abraham made a great feast. Yeah, Abraham made a great feast. And now some other things are happening. You know, they, they have this saying, you know, when somebody leaves the table, somebody gets to come to the table. Mm. You know, so Isaac is, 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 is coming to the table, which is very interesting, you know. And, uh, you know, I guess Sarah, you know, tells Abraham, hey, you got to take Hagar and Ishmael. And cast them out because she saw Ishmael mocking after this, you know, uh, and the connotation is not good. It's inappropriate behavior or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Mocking, you know, it's kind of, it's the same word that's used for joking, well, jesting. It's also, they, they've translated it sporting and then there's also inferences of like molesting and stuff right. like that. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Sarah tells Abraham, hey, you, you got to cast them out. And in, in, in course, and God said unto Abraham, let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of the bondwoman. In all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice, 
For in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Come on. You know, when, when, when Sarah was giving Abraham to Hagar as a wife, by the way, she was elevated to wife status, not just a handmaiden. Uh, it kind of messed up the whole promise thing because the promise was to Sarah and Abraham as right. a couple. Right. You know, and that's why it's important that you understand that, that Sarah plays an important role as well. Uh, carrying the child, it was for Abraham and Sarah. Well, and he sold not himself Abraham short. And Hagar, because she was the Egyptian, short. and so she wanted him to cast them out. He was grievous over that, but but God told Abraham that he was going to make Ishmael a nation, uh, and Abraham gave Hagar bread and a bottle of water, sent her away with Ishmael. Okay, uh, she wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba, and when she ran out of water, she cast her son under one of the shrubs. Now he's like thirteen years old. He's a teenager. Yeah. So it's not like some little baby. I was just thinking about that. Yeah. Because it says that Ishmael was 13 when he was circumcised with Abraham and all the men of the house. Right. So he's not some little baby. So she just, you know, it says there that's that's what she did. But that's kind of interesting. But God heard Hagar's cry along with Ishmael's and provided her with a well of water. And that's what actually Ishmael's name means. God hears. And so God was with Ishmael as he grew up in the wilderness, and he became an archer. Now Ishmael dwelt in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took him a wife out of Egypt. See, she was an Egyptian, so she gets her son, the same ethnic group as her. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get him, you know, a, a son from Egypt. You know, when you, when you think about New York City and the different ethnic groups, you know, you, you got the Italians, the Latins, you know, the, the Chinese, they all have their own communities, you know, and you weren't. You weren't supposed to, uh, you know, a Chinese couldn't marry an Italian. An Italian couldn't marry a Chinese. Oh, yeah. It was just unheard of. Yeah. I forget, what's the name of that musical when it talks about stuff like that? What was the name of that musical? <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember. I'm not exactly a, uh, a musical connoisseur. Something, I can't remember. Was it West Side Story? West Side Story, Okay, yeah. well, then I go and I get the right answer. And, yeah, uh, you did very good. I just you let know. myself out. So, so it's kind of interesting, and, and we're kind of seeing this played out again, even in, in today's times about this different ethnic groups and stuff, you know. Uh, actually, it says that uh, Yeshua warns us that nation against nation is ethnic groups fighting each other. Right. Uh, so we can see that being played out. Uh, and, of course, you know, like I said, you know, here's here's um, Ishmael with an Egyptian wife now from his mother. He's dwelling in the wilderness of Paran, and that, of course, uh, we're still in chapter 21. But any, any thoughts on that? That God took care of him, you know? Well, I mean... Here's the thing. He birthed the Ishmael, right? So um, it, this thing happened, and now God is going to use it for his plan uh, because God's outside of time and space, so he knows what's going to happen. So what happens? They grow great, and there's no doubt that Ishmael's grown into a great lit nation and um, that they're very plentiful and that the prophecy over him is, is true to this day, that his hand will be against every man and every man's hand against him. Um, it is, it is a, a, a nation at war with itself and with everyone else. You know, and it's not just, you know, dealing with your own family squabbles and family issues. But now Abraham makes an agreement with Abimelech in Genesis chapter 21, verses 22 through 34. So Abraham makes an agreement with Abimelech. I love this story. So Abimelech and and Phicol, the chief captain of the host, said to Abraham, this is what they said to him, God is with thee in all that thou doest. We know that God is with you. So Abraham's doing something. It sounds to me like they're pumping his tires. Yeah, they're like, hey, you know. God is with thee in all that thou doest. And so anyway, so there, there was something going on here. So Abimelech wanted Abraham to swear that he would not deal with him falsely up to three generations. And of course, Abraham agreed. He's like, listen, let's make an agreement that we won't deal with, with each other falsely. Myself, my son, my son's son, or my grandson, and I'll do the same for you in, in your generations. Uh, you won't deal with me falsely, right? So anyway, it sounds good, right? But Abraham reproved Abimelech. He's like, okay, well, he, he reproved him because of a well of water, which Abimelech's servants had violently taken away from him. And Abimelech said he was not aware of the incident. Oh, I know nothing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the Mueller report, <laughs> you know, in the government, or it's like, uh, or it's, or it's like, uh, you know, this, 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 uh, impeaching, uh, inquiry, you know, yeah. somebody would say, well, well, you know. My, my thoughts came back to me, you know, yeah. or this or that. Or, yeah. Well, you just stated that. Well, no, you know, I, I, I wasn't thinking clearly. Suddenly, and I remember. S- suddenly, I remember, you yeah. know, and, and this is all against the president, which is kind of bizarre. Yeah. But <laughs> something to think about. So anyway, 
So Abraham took sheep, oxen, and gave them to Abimelech for a covenant. So he says, okay, in regards to dealing with each other, not falsely, we're going to be honest, okay? Here, here's what he does. He takes sheep, oxen, and gave them to Abimelech for a covenant. He says, fine, I'll, I'll do this with you. I'll be, I'll be in agreement. So Abraham also gave seven ewe lambs to Abimelech to establish that the well that was taken from him belonged to him, right? So it's interesting that you have to give stuff away to say that this <clears throat> is yours, you know? So Abimelech says, okay, I'll tell you what. You've given me these seven ewe lambs. That particular well is yours. Yeah. That's yours. You, you can have it back. That's your well. And so this covenant was made in Beersheba, Ryan. And that's what's so neat about this particular story. You know, I had a, uh, I had an epiphany in Beersheba that I want to share real quickly here before we move on. But, you know, I was sitting there in 2016, actually the well of Beersheba, of the city, talking about the 10 promises made to Abraham. You know, there's 10 things that make up the Abrahamic covenant. I kid you not. Like it says, Peter had the sheet come down. And so I'm, 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 I'm looking at this thing. I'm thinking, what is this, you know? And what it was, was it was like a little layout there, a little diagram. And it actually talked about, um, at the top, it said Abraham's children, Abraham's mm. children. And then all of a sudden underneath, uh, to the left, you have, of course, uh, uh, you know, we have the Judaism. And then the middle one was, of course, Christianity. And to the right was, of course, uh, was Islam, you know? So you have uh, Jews, Christians, and Muslims from Abraham today, the, the, the three faiths. Then underneath Judaism, we have, of course, that came down, Jews for Jesus, which happened in about the 70s. Right. Now, out of Christianity, the middle, the middle of the diagram, there's Christianity. What comes down is Hebrew roots movement. Yeah. And then to the right, for Islam, was radical Islam. It just gets more radical. Because what's the prophecy against Ishmael? His hand would be against everyone, everyone's hand against him. Right. So that's why you've got Taliban, ISIS, Shiite, Sunni, you know, the, very destructive. Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, ISIS came out of Sunni. You thought Shiite was radical. Oh, yeah. But ISIS came out of the Sunnis. I mean, so this is very interesting. I, I, I saw this with my own eyes. So then underneath Hebrew roots pops this last thing called Beit Tehillah. Hey, that's us. And Yahweh's like, Beit Tehillah is mine. Huh. It's mine. It's mine to do what I want to do with. And I'm like, whoa. You know, people talk about seeing a vision or whatever. It was life-changing in 2016 uh, when that happened. That was actually for Tabernacles. So so I, I tell that story because, you know, God's got a purpose for all of us. And so as far as Beit Tehillah goes, we belong to Yahweh. He's going to direct us. He's going to guide us. And so I just wanted to share that story because I thought it was very interesting because we've got to get some things done. We need to be creative. We need to be productive. And, and that's the thing that, that I want to bring out. Also, you know, uh, when you think about Abimelech and Abraham moving on, Ryan, why is it important to make agreements with those that come into our life that we're meant to make agreements with? Why, why can't we get along and make certain agreements with people? Why is that important? Like for Beit Tehillah to make agreements or to be legitimate in the community? Well, so so let's just make something clear here. This is a a... a a peace treaty that's made, right? That, hey, look, this is my well. Over there, that's your well. You don't touch my well, I don't touch your well, right? That's the kind of treaty we're, we're making here. Well, well, well. And that's the agreement. So really what's happening is it's the setting of boundaries. And the setting of boundaries and the making of agreements about boundaries is important because not everybody is going to believe the way that you do. And not everybody's going to be your friend and not everybody's going to be your family. And if you're doing things right, you might have some opinions that might be polarizing. And just the fact that you live and do your faith the way that you do will be offensive to some people. And so there has to be, with your family, with your friends, with your coworkers, there has to be boundaries and agreements in place because there has to be some sort of coexistence. Right. There has to be some sort of way that you can work Mutual together. Respect. And, and also things that, you know, hey, there's certain things that have to be shared. Imagine if you had to share the same well, right? And then at that point, hey, if somebody poisons the well, they poison everybody, you know? That's good. So it, it is important to have, um, you know, a diplomatic approach to life and to people that don't necessarily agree with you and not burn every bridge and not burn down relationships and not bash the church and bash this person and bash that person because all you're doing is making yourself a unfriendly, right? You're just right. not, nobody wants to, to make any difference you know, with you. And you know, I work with those in Christianity that are kingdom-minded. Right. They're not denominational-minded. They're, they're kingdom-minded. Right. So we're in the kingdom. The church is not the enemy. For those who listen to the podcast, let me say that again. The church is not the enemy, but we do have an enemy, okay? So remember that. Tell us what you're for, not what you're against. 
So as we move on, we finish up with this very last chapter, uh, the, the binding of Isaac. It's called the Akedah, and God tests Abraham. So Abraham, of course, is told by God, take your son Isaac, offer him up as a burnt offering in the land of Moriah. Bam. Whoa. I mean, here he is. Think about everything he's been through. Yeah. And now he's got to do this. Yeah, this is an emotional story. And, and of course, uh, uh, two other men accompanied Abraham and Isaac along with a bundle of wood. Uh, and then on the third day, Abraham saw the place afar off. And I love what he does here. Abraham tells the two young men that he and Isaac uh, were going to worship and then come back. Yeah. So Abraham knew what he had to do. But as far as resurrection or he'll bring my son back or he'll do something... Abraham had some thought that, you know, something well, was going to happen here. Well, and this is the faith of Abraham, right? So so God um, had given him the faith to know that he was going to be uh, coming back with him. I, uh, I think it's Hebrews eleven 19. I'm actually going to run there. Um, and by run, I mean walk my fingers. Um, but it says here in eleven nineteen. 19... Um, where am I? So Abraham and Sarah. So he believes, right? And uh, by faith he sojourned. And then I'm going through, you know, from eight through. It says, by faith, Abraham, and this is verse 17 of chapter 11 in Hebrews. He says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. And by faith, Isaac, you know, blessed Jacob and Esau. So, so look at that, right? So he had the faith ahead of time to know that because God had promised that in Isaac shall they see be called, and Isaac being there with no, no kids, He's no the seed promise. yet, the promise was true. And so whatever he had to do, he knew that God was going to continue to make that promise true. I mean, that's good, you know. And so, so here we go, you know. And oh, and by the way, you know, Isaac is probably, what, 30 years old? Uh, by now? So they say he was um, around the age of Yeshua, so I've heard anywhere from 33 to 37. So just, he's a grown man. Yeah. Oh, no, he's he carried the wood. <laughs> the, you need to remember all this. This isn't some little toddler, yeah. some little lad. No, this is a grown man. And and so, you know, um, so, of course, you know, there's a fire, uh, there's wood, there's a knife, and, of course, you know, Isaac is like, uh, hey, uh, where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And, of course, Abraham responds, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So did he have some kind of insight or something? Interesting. I'm just wondering, you know, discernment. So after Abraham built an altar and put the wood on it, he bound Isaac and placed him on the altar. Now, Isaac doesn't run off. He doesn't fight his father. He just goes along with it. Right. I mean, he, he, it doesn't say that he, that he resisted. And as Abraham stretched forth his hand to slay his son with a knife, the angel of the Lord called out to him to stop him. Abraham, Abraham, he says, here I am, right? And so there we have this, this, this right to the last second, somebody was going to lose their life. Somebody was going to be a burnt offering. And remember, a burnt offering is one that's totally consumed. That's what a burnt offering is. It's one that is totally consumed. But hey, check this out. A ram caught in a thicket was used as a substitute for a burnt offering. Yeah. So I want to so read... So it wasn't like, you know, okay, get him off the altar. No, We're no. calling it off. It says right here, because Abraham says this, he, he, he's quoted as saying this, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So now he stops Abraham, okay, and there's a ram caught in a thicket. So what do you have, Ryan? I mean, well, check it out. So it is interesting wow. to make that the point The ram clear. was there. It's interesting how, it's, how it reads. It says, God will provide himself a lamb. For a burnt offering, so it, it's interesting that he's going to provide himself. He's going to be the lamb. He will be the wow. lamb, right? But then you you get down to verse twelve, and where the angel stops, and he says, "Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me." And so, who is it that God provides? You know, later on, He provides His only son. Oh yeah, we're going to get into that. So Abraham called the place Jehovah Jireh which means the Lord will see or provide. So Jehovah Jireh, he's our provider. Remember, God can't break spiritual laws. So remember, when Adam and Eve sinned, everyone, check this out. You can build a case on this. And this isn't really even preached anymore in the church. This isn't even really shared. 
Adam and Eve covered themselves with fig leaves. God says no, mm-hmm. coats of skins. Yeah. So what does it tell us? Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. You know, and so here we have it. So because of Abraham's obedience, his seed will be like the stars of the heaven, the sands of the seashore, possess the gate of his enemies, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I'm telling you, when the seed of Abraham comes alive, when they do what they're supposed to be doing, man, the world is a better place, Ryan. When Christians get Torah and it's on their mind and their hearts and they know how to do this thing, the world is a better place, you know, and I love this. And so Abraham returns back to the two young men and they return back to Beersheba. What an incredible place. Like I said, I've had the opportunity to have been to Beersheba twice. And, and the sign out there in the archaeological digging, what they're doing, I mean, I actually got to sit at that well of Beersheba. That is off the charts. Yeah, that's incredible. If I'm not mistaken, it might even be on YouTube, but we'll, we'll find out. If not, we'll get it up there. But yeah, so I, I share about the 10 promises made to Abraham to make of the Abrahamic covenant. So once again, even as far as getting that revelation of, of Beit Tehila, and now what, what is where's Hebrew, Hebrew roots going, Ryan? Where's the Messianic movement going? Where's Islam going? We have to know, where is it going? Where is it heading? Which crowd are we in? How are we going to define Hebrew roots? So we better do it right, you know, oh, yeah. or we, we could be judged, you know. And so, you know... Well, Hebrew roots should be defined by following Yeshua and doing what he did. I mean, that really should be the baseline. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the New Testament is so important, you know, and I know a lot of the Jews have even accused us of not showing love. Well, you're Christians, Jesus is the love, and you guys don't even love. You don't even love each other. Yeah. And I'm thinking, wow, what a charge from Judah, you know. And so once again, we can see this picture of Yeshua, the son of God, in the binding of Isaac, the Akedah. You know, it, it's one of the readings at Yom Teruah, Ryan. Uh, the second day of Yom Teruah, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, is, of course, the uh, Genesis chapter 22, the binding of Isaac, is read in every synagogue. Wow. Think about that. The binding of Yitzhak, the, the Akedah, the binding of Isaac is read in the synagogue every Yom Teruah. So the, the trumpet day. blows, and then they read about the binding of the Isaac. binding of Isaac. Interesting. They it's right about, there, you it know. Is, man. So it, it's 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 fascinating. So thank God, you know. And and what it what does uh, Yeshua say? Abraham longed to see my day. He saw it and was glad. Yeah. So basically, Yeshua is saying, Jesus is saying, Abraham got the revelation of what God was going to do. Didn't wow. have to offer up his son, but he got the revelation. He saw my day and was glad. Oh, I'm glad it's God. Huh. You know, and, and Ryan, that, that just also brings us to the to the point as we close out here that man, Yahweh's Yeshua, Yeshua is Yahweh. Mm-hmm. The deity is so important, Ryan. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's funny, you know, when someone would even ask me, Well, why is it so important that, that Jesus is God? Well, because he is. Well, it is. <laughs> but but here's the thing though, Ryan. This is what I would like to say. How can we undermine the love of God for us? That as God, he would come in the flesh, 100% God, 100% man, and die for us because that's how much he loves us. So I would say this. If people say, well, I don't believe Jesus is God, I believe you are diminishing his complete and utter love for us. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, you're, well, you're selling him short. Like, yeah, he brought the Son of God down, this Lamb, this Redeemer, but it wasn't really God. Yeah. And I'm thinking, no, no, he can't break spiritual laws, just like remarrying us. Yeah. He had to activate that. Right. Right? Because you, you, you can't remarry your your, your, your original spouse because well, you've went out in the world and you've committed adultery. It's an abomination. So, when, so God comes in the flesh. Right. And he says, I only came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's what Yeshua said. And he was at Mount Sinai. He was the rock that followed them in the wilderness, everyone. And this is gonna be this is gonna be the subject matter. I'm telling you, this this thing about the spirit of Antichrist is real. Right. And we believe in the deity and the doctrine of deity at Beit Tehillah, everyone. We're not going to debate you. We're not going to argue with you. Right. But we strongly believe in the deity of Yeshua. It is very important. <laughs> well, and we can we can give you chapter and verse specifically to that the end. The Gospel of John is all about the deity of Yeshua. Right. I, I made this one point to somebody. I said, listen, if 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 Jesus isn't God, then 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 why didn't he stop those people from worshiping him and say, only worship the Father? Yeah. They would be at his feet. They would be touching him. Oh, they yeah. would be worshiping him. They'd be hailing him, calling him king, and yet and yet he never denied it. Yeah. Only give that to the Father. He never said that right. He received the worship. And no one's ever even made this point in a debate that I've even heard. Well, but I bring it there, up. Well, I'll tell you this, that there's people out there 
that have been deceived in some way, shape, or form regarding the deity of Yeshua, they have an answer for everything. But all of them end with, well, that's just a idiomatic phrase, or that's just a figure of speech, or that's just this, or that's just that. Well, bottom line is that the New Testament is very clear. Yeshua, um, in in the, f- the fullness of deity, dwells in- inside of him bodily, right? So that's uh, Colossians 2.9. And so the Godhead and the three-in-one— what what religious terms would call the hypostatic union. I, people that say they understand how it works, well, guess what? You're putting God inside a box. I don't know how it works either. But The Godhead. The point is that it does Father, work. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It does work. And um, those of, that would they would deceive you into claiming some sort of an angelic being or agency, the term agency, they're just believing in some other religious term because they don't like the one that they've That's been good. given. And it is what it is. So You know, I mean, Abraham's got this incredible story right in front of us. And so the thing is, though, at the very ending here, it's very interesting. Nahor's family genealogy, who was Abraham's brother... Uh, I did this, uh, I shared with the congregation about active family versus inactive family. So you know Abraham's side is very active, but here Nahor is inactive. They're yep. not really part of the story, a part of the redemption, but they're a part of the family. It's kind of like us, you know, there's parts of our family that are very active and that are with us. Oh, yeah. And there's parts of our family that are inactive. They're not a part of God's redemptive plan. They're not, it's, it's not, they're not really practicing it, following it, or being a part of it. And that's something to think about. So you want to be a part of that active family. So in closing here, what two lessons can be learned, Ryan, from the Torah portion, Vayida, and he appeared, Genesis chapter 18, verse 1, all the way through chapter 22 and verse 24, and of course, from a consensus of the group that we have every Monday night, what two lessons can be learned that you can point out? Well, the first one I would say is, is uh, in regards to hospitality. Hospitality is important, um, not just necessarily because you might be entertaining angels unaware, uh, but also because the way you treat people, and I think it was Maya Angelou said, uh, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And I'm, I may be you know, attributing that no, quote that's to good. somebody. Um, and so I think uh, showing people hospitality, caring for people and loving people, especially when uh, they can't do anything for you, um, that's ministry in general, right? What Yeshua did what he did for people that can't give anything to him, right? He has everything, right? He, he, he's the creator. Uh, there's nothing you can provide him that he can't just snap his fingers and have, right? Um, and so all he wants is that relationship with you. Um, so hospitality is important. Uh, the second thing I had was um, don't birth an Ishmael. Uh, don't try to force Yahweh's will in your own way. Um, it's not your way, it's his way. Is that and called it, jumping the gun? Uh, it could be, yeah. yeah, it could Jumping be. the gun? That's a track and field term, right? That's right, yeah. don't jump the gun. False start, you know? False start. Yeah. False news. Uh, fake news. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's important, listen, um, you know, God has promises for each and every one of us, and he has callings on everybody that's listening. He has a calling on your life. But you have to do things his way. Sometimes that means waiting. And uh, strength will rise, right, as we wait upon the Lord, as the song says. That's Isaiah 40, I believe, um, that uh, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength and mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow faint, right? Finish. So um, it's, it's important that you remember not to birth an Ishmael and to do things God's way. Because you know what? Ultimately, he can use all things for the, for the good of those that love him and are called according to I would purpose. like but, to say, that's good, Ryan. But, that's very good. I would like to just close it with this. You know, God's plan will always prevail. Yes. Like people say, well, I don't believe in the two houses. Well, they're coming together. Well, I don't believe in Ephraim. Well, he's coming. I mean, the, the, it's happening. You know, it's happening right now, everybody. Uh, Ephraim is coming out of the nations, and that's what it means. A mixed multitude, a fullness of Gentiles are coming out of the nations, and you're not Jewish. And it's real simple. It's really, really simple. And so once again, God's plan will always prevail. And the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. Hallelujah. So God bless all of you for listening to this podcast. I just I just pray that you have a theophany with God, that you have an experience with God that's real. You know, because yeah. I think, you know, some people are just, they, they feel the wearing down. The wearing down of the saints is, 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 of course, shared in the book of Daniel. But like I said, he will renew our strength. He will invigorate us. And, uh, and we also pray against the spirit of infirmity because by his stripes we are healed as well. Uh, in the fall season, it's getting a little colder and things are happening, but by his stripes we are healed. So just think about that. God's plan will always prevail. We thank you for listening to the podcast, and we do pray that you are inspired. Hallelujah. Awesome. Well, man, this, this is a packed podcast. We have hit almost the hour mark at this point. And so uh, God bless you guys that have listened all the way through. There's a special blessing for those that stick it out, I tell you. 
Um, if you guys want to reach out to me again, you can email me at Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at twopraise.net. If you need any resources or anything like that, you can call the office at 813-654-2222. You can live stream our services every Shabbat at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, YouTube, uh, any of the social media platforms, and on our website uh, at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So uh, we love you guys. We thank you for listening. Bless you. Have a great week.